it's really come full circle and has been a great relationship for everybody. Thank goodness. Yes. I do nacho, though. I do do the loving and let him do the disciplining. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 127 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. (laughs) I did it again. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Podcast. There we go. (laughs) It is November, folks. Yeah. This year's almost gone. The month the grandbaby will be born. Oh, yeah. I know. Exciting times. She's due in seven days? hmm So the interesting part is we get to start to experience the new challenge of blending. hmm Which is now going to be navigating the complexities of a grandkid slash step-grandkid. Yep. And having to, once again, deal with, to some extent, the X. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be, uh, I don't think it's going to be too bad. Uh, I don't think there will be as much interaction as as we will have. <laughs> I'll say it that way. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I've already yep. got a pack and play so little Gideon mm-hmm. can spend the night with us or hang out with us. <laughs> so since it is November, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and get a jump on some problems here that that always come up this time of year. Well, you're supposed to be thankful in November. You are going to be thankful, but some of you are going to be thankful for d- different reasons. <laughs> 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 but let's talk about the challenges of um the holiday season because you know we're just we're running into all of it right now because you're gonna you're gonna hit thanksgiving that's gonna be followed up quickly with christmas which is gonna be followed up quickly with new year's and honestly it doesn't take that long before you're starting to hit other holidays Birthdays. right after that it just mm-hmm. yeah it just starts cramming them all together so this is a often very a difficult time of year for blended families because navigating the complexities of holidays is, whew, it's rough. It's rough on a nuclear family. Mm-hmm. But you've got things like, uh, well, my kid can't go to the party on that day that your family, you know, planned it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from you and I kind of ended up just saying, look, whatever day it is, it is. And who's there is there and who's not there is not there. Because from the planner's perspective, whoever that might be in the family that's doing all this, you can't possibly pick a day where everybody can show up. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, well, someone says got to work that day. Well, someone says not going to have their kids that day. And then, you know, if you've got multiple blended families in your family, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So don't get mad if the party happens to be planned at a time your kids can't go. Um, hopefully it's not on purpose. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just do do your own thing. 
I mean, if you have to have multiple parties, if you have to say, well, we're going to do quote unquote Santa Claus at two different times or whatever, I mean, do whatever you have to do to navigate it so that it works for you. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Thanksgiving. I mean, we, you know, we would try to do things like we get the kids the first part of Thanksgiving day. And then the other parent gets the kids the last part of Thanksgiving day. Uh, and sometimes we were able to have them all together. And sometimes it was opposite and it just, it's crazy. And so, you know, sometimes we would be like, you know what? Thanksgiving is just going to be the day after this year because we don't have to deal with the complexities of it. Right. So just be prepared for it. Try to have a plan. Sit down with your significant other and and have plan A and B, probably C and D too. (laughs) (laughs) But don't let this time of year just completely spiral you out of control and cause so much friction and stress. Mm -hmm. You know, identify what those triggers are. Stay away from them. Don't take things personally. Um, If you if you have to really bow out of some of the stuff just to keep it from going doing from getting that way then they just do it i mean it really is not worth it at the end of the day right don't make it an unpleasant time with expectations either yeah yeah well i think you covered everything david (laughs) well we'll probably talk about this a lot for the next few weeks because it it is such a big problem this time of year and it's hard on people in general this time of year. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't talk about it enough, in my opinion, because we see so many issues around this time of year. I mean, we have blended families that just completely explode and, and they like, we're not doing this anymore. We're done. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're already struggling, this can, can break the relationship. I mean, this is the no going back points, but just because you, you're already stressed, you're already got all these things going on and to throw the complexities of holidays in the mix, it's just, it can be too much. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those times where you've really got to focus on self-care, really got to focus on your mental mindset. It's funny you mentioned that because someone in the academy said the other day they felt the self-care challenge didn't get enough uh, credit. I forget what word she specifically used. And that self-care is so important. Oh, yeah. And she's right. And I think my problem is people want to know what's the second challenge after the boot camp. Mm -hmm. It depends on where you are. You have to be at a certain place before you try your change your stinking thinking challenge. So I'm thinking I need to slide the self-care one in between those two. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm currently reading a book called The 12 Rules for Life. And rule number two says to treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Hmm. So think about that. Treat yourself like someone that you are responsible for helping. If you let that marinate a bit and then think about how well we treat other people. Like, for example, if you weren't feeling well, I am quickly to tell you, you should go to the doctor. When I'm not feeling well and you say something to me about going to the doctor, I'm like, ah, I'm not worried about it. Why don't you take some Tylenol? No, I'll be fine. 
I know it drives me crazy. I'm quick to, to, you know, want to help you. I'm not so quick to want to help myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, even our dog, you know, she makes it to every single vet visit. Me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the dentist. I don't want to go to any of these things. But you got to, or you're going to have funk mouth. <laughs> but it's one of those things that a lot of people do. They don't care for themselves as much as they should. Right. So think about that today. Treat yourself, care for yourself like it was somebody that you're responsible for helping. And it it will change the way you look at how you treat yourself and how you take care of yourself. You wouldn't let somebody else do that. If you were responsible for their care, you wouldn't let them skip out on things that are beneficial for their health, but yet you do it to yourself. Don't allow that to happen. You are no good to anyone else until you're good to yourself. It's so funny, David, that you are bringing this up. And y'all, I'm not lying when I say this. I know you're going to think, yeah, right. She's full of crap. But he doesn't know who this guest is today. And he doesn't know anything about the interview because he wasn't a part of it. But that is exactly what we talk about. Really? Mm-hmm. How about that? It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But David, you, so, you're on a roll. So can you wrap it up a little bit? I feel like I'm interviewing somebody. <laughs> no. Well, tell me who you're interviewing and we'll just go down that path. I just, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is for somebody. It's resonating with somebody. It shouldn't resonate with everybody. But yes. somebody's listening to this right now. and They're like, holy crap. I needed to hear that. He's reading my mind, people. He's reading my mind. <laughs> okay. But uh, but go ahead. So who we got today? <laughs> I don't know, David. Are you finished? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> we have stepmom, Carrie. Carrie is someone that I knew from my teenage years. Oh, Lord. Of course, I've been friends with her on Facebook for quite a while, and I've always loved her dearly and her twin sister, Sherry. So it's Carrie and Sherry. <laughs> I was 16 and I dated their stepbrother. That's how we met. So it's, (laughs) it's interesting that I'm interviewing her on a podcast over 30 years later. So I'd like to interview her stepbrother. Why? Because I want to know just what kind of relationship y'all had that back then. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of craziness does he know about? Uh, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. All right. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) Carrie's been blending for four years. She has a stepdaughter that's 11 and she is the cutest thing, y'all. I am not kidding. She's got curly hair. Anyway, and stepdaughter 18. She's beautiful too. And she has bio son 27 and bio son nine. Woo. Nine people. You heard me. N-I-N-E, the number before 10. Mm, that's a gap. Mm-hmm. Carrie and I talk about the importance of learning to pause. How practice makes progress is what she says. Mm, I like that. I like that too. I figured you would when she said it. <laughs> yeah, I once had somebody say, uh, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And nobody can be perfect. <laughs> Especially when they <laughs> practice. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. She and her husband's ex, they get along great. They do a lot of things. It wasn't always that way. It took time for them to build a relationship, but they're great now. Yeah. It's always going to take time to build a relationship. And you always have to nurture that relationship. And that's one thing 
that a lot of people drop the ball on, and I'm certainly one of those who's done that. You you get to this place where you feel like you're safe, meaning you don't have to invest any more into it. You feel like you can sit back and enjoy the ride, mm-hmm. um, and it's just not that way. It's not like investment investing in stocks where, oh, I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna put up to X number of dollars in there, and then I'm just gonna sit back and watch it grow. It doesn't happen with relationships. It's, you know, you put X amount of work into it or whatever, but once you sit back, it doesn't just grow. It starts deteriorating because you're ignoring it. You know, it's more like the investment you put in working out. You you go and work out and you get the results you want. You don't go, okay, I'm good. I can stop now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You don't maintain what you had. It starts to deteriorate. You have to keep doing it. Yeah. You have to keep up with it. Because you'll forget and you'll slide back into your old ways. Yeah. All right, David. Well, let's get to listening because you have given our listeners a lot to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. Here we go, folks. But here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy first. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom, Carrie Ray. Hey, Carrie Ray, how are you? Hey, doing great. Happy to be here. To give our listeners a little backstory, I've known you, golly, over 30 years. Yes. So when we were probably 15 or so, I think you started dating my stepbrother, and you were just part of the family for years and years. And then just because, you know, that relationship went away, it was too late. We already loved you, so you've been part of the family ever since. Exactly. And I love you to pieces, and I always have. Thank you. Stay here. <laughs> and you've got a twin sister. I do. She's the wild one. <laughs> She's always been the wild one. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's funny because people would always say, I can't tell them apart. I've always been able to tell y'all apart. Yes. When you know us, it's easier, especially. Yeah. And y'all both have, of course, you both had the same birthday. And it's in the month of October, and I love how you roast each other for being witches. <laughs> she started it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It, it's so much fun. It is. I enjoy it. I look forward to it every year. That's so funny. Yeah, so whenever I started getting back at her with it, she found it less fun. I was like, ha, huh, how's that taste? <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's in on it now, too. I saw he posted once. And your son. Yes, all of us. Yeah, it's a family affair. (laughs) It is. It is. And it's funny because I'm a believer. I am not into any of that, but it makes me laugh super hard that she does it. And I just hope that, you know, like my dad doesn't ever, you know, send me one of those texts about, um, hey, by the way, I just wanted you to know if you were, you know, really into Wiccan beliefs or (laughs) witches or whatever. Like, no, it's Facebook jokes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all jokes, people. It's all jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All jokes. (laughs) So how long have you been blending? So right now, about four four and a half years, I have his daughter, Caroline. She's 
11 this year. And then he has an older daughter who's 18. We don't have full custody of her or even really half of the time do we have her, but we have her over, you know, pretty regularly. And then, you know, he's obviously that bad to my nine-year-old little boy and my 27-year-old. It's so funny because you would think at a certain age, they stop saying stepdad, but my oldest will brag about the fact that Thomas is his stepdad. Mm-hmm. So for those that didn't catch that, Carrie has a bio son that's 27 and a bio son that's nine. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure you heard that right. <laughs> yes. So you have a good relationship with your husband's ex. I do. I prayed for that. And I wrote it down in my prayer journal every day for two years before it came to pass. But I did my thing, which is practice the pause and pray and protect my peace at all costs until she was ready. And it's a wonderful relationship. And, you know, her daughter is always telling us how much easier it makes her life and how happy she is. And my son wishes that we had that type of relationship with his dad and I. Um, I have friends and family and even, you know, my niece. A lot of people come to me and say, goodness, I would really love to have that. And a lot of people didn't trust it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I said, I trust it because it came from God, nowhere else. Yes. And I was going to talk to you about that because so often we see where the bio mom and the stepmom, they get along and then something happens. But see, you started off a little differently. You started off where it wasn't like y'all were best friends in the beginning. Right. Yeah. So she didn't really ever try and attack me or in any way and nor did I her, but we just really didn't interact at all. And it's really not in my nature to kind of be on the outside looking in. I want to be like part of the party and part of the friendship and just mesh as well as I possibly can. I'm a super people pleaser. And she didn't really want that. And, you know, she made it clear. And I understand she was trying to protect her peace. And um, I 100% supported that. But whenever it finally came to pass and the way it happened was just simply I invited her to a birthday party we were having for Caroline and she came And she said, I really did not think I was going to like you. And it took me a while to trust that you are who you say you are. And now she's like, I'm so glad that you kept praying. And I showed her my journals because I have journals that date back years. And every single day, it thanks God in advance for being friends and at peace with Heather and at peace, you know, with our blended family. And so I just wanted her to know, like, I didn't just say that. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I prayed for this and God gave it to us. And you are such an awesome person. And I know that you question that sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but you are. We all do, honey. Yeah, but you're mm-hmm. so uplifting. Your post, a lot of times I'll screenshot your stuff and use it in my Facebook group. I love it. I've screenshot yours too. So yeah, I find you very uplifting as well. And when you joined that day on our Bible, stu- uh, Bible study call, it was so wonderful to get your input on so many things. And I just, I guess, because I haven't been in touch with you the entire 30 years, I didn't realize how much you had even grown as a person and how wise you are and encouraging. So I was really excited to get our relationship back into more of an active mode and learning who you are. And I was impressed by you. Oh, well, thank you. Definitely. Well, I do have to say too, you and your husband have kind of a backstory as well. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. When I was in high school, I would write his name all over my notebooks and I was scared to death to ever interact with him, but I had this huge crush on him. And it's funny because we lived in the same town when we were little 
and both around fourth grade moved to the same town, didn't know each other, started going to the same school, and he thought I was the prettiest girl in school, he told me. And I said, well, you know, same as Sherry. And he said, nope, I thought you were the pretty twin, and so I hold on to that for dear life and tell her all the time. (laughs) Um, And so then um, we moved away, and I ended up working in the same place he did, but just on a different shift, and we never knew. So 30 years later, he reached out to me on Facebook and just said, your Facebook is very encouraging. And I just wanted to tell you that you brighten up my day. And then he threw in a little, and you have a nice smile flirt. But uh, supposedly that wasn't a flirt, he said. But that was it. It was the rest of history. I said, hey, come over and let's have some steaks and drink a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) high school crush. I'm like, finally landed it. Thank you, God. Sometimes your prayers take 30 years. But hey, don't stop. Don't stop believing. (laughs) That's right. Don't stop believing. (laughs) What's your relationship like with your stepdaughter? Well, let's go back to the beginning when you first met her. What was it like then? Yeah, I think, you know, she was really young whenever they separated. She was about six or seven, and it was very hard on her. And so I think she held me at arm's length. But I'm really into arts and crafts, and she is too. And so I just kind of went, okay, here's something that we have in common. So I met her on her level. And The same with the 18-year-old stepdaughter. I'm really into photography, and she is too, so I met her on that level. And I just am like, you know what? Wherever you are, because it's about what's best for you, I'll meet you there. And that's the best thing we can do. You know, like, I can't say, well, I really don't have anything in common with her, so I'm not going to spend much time with her. You know, it's not about me. It's about them for the little bit of time we have them under our roof and able to impact them and try and shape them as good human beings. We need to take advantage of it. And so if we don't have a thing that, you know, is a hobby or something in common, we need to make that, you know. So I met her and in the beginning she was a little distant, but as we would draw and create together, it just got to be a really close relationship. And the same with his older daughter, you know, like we had a lot of things in common that we would just kind of focus on when we were together. And I think that they both, you know, started out thinking, "Mm -mm, we're not doing this again, (laughs) you know, but um. It ended up being really great, and Caroline is a absolutely sweet and precious child. You know, you can't ask for a better, more loving child than, than Caroline, so I got lucky in that. It's been, you know, kind of a struggle more whenever the children are older, but Ashley and I have gotten pretty close now, and luckily we're the same size, so I give her, you know, shoes and clothes and things like that, and all girls love to share, you know, so... That's fun. Yeah. So it's, it's really come full circle and has been a great relationship for everybody. Thank goodness. Yes. I do nacho, though. I do do the loving and let him do the disciplining. And it's so much easier when we do that. Yes. Yeah. Protect my peace at all costs. That comes down to every single thing, even down to what I buy or don't buy, who I spend time with or don't spend time with. Every part of my life, it comes back to the only person that has control over what amount of peace I have is me. So when either one of the kids on that end need to be disciplined, I just kind of pull them aside, definitely never in front of them. And I just say, I think that maybe if you think this was something that you need to talk to them about, and and if he doesn't, then that's fine too, because my marriage comes first. I'm not going to fight with him about what he wants to do as far as parenting. Right. And What you said about meeting them at their comfort level is so true. Mm -hmm. If you go in and try to force that relationship, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I'll be honest, 
my sister said it was hard for her to believe that I did this, but I did it, and it made us have a 90% perfect marriage. I told him in the beginning, I can only handle so much interaction with some adults and some children, you know, for a certain amount of time. And then I kind of need to re-energize and just take a few minutes and just be to myself. I sort of am so much of an empath that I will get overstimulated and anxious. And I said, so if I ever spend a couple of hours with one of your children or you or or anybody, and then I just say, hey, I'm going to go veg and, you know, watch chick flicks or listen to a podcast or read or whatever. I said, please don't take any offense. Or take a nap. (laughs) Or take a nap. That's very re-energizing. But yeah, I said, don't ever take offense to it. It's just my way of making sure our relationships all stay healthy. It's no good when you're somewhere and you're being resentful about it. So when you get to the point where you feel like I'm giving from an empty glass now, then just remove yourself from the situation. And so I went into our relationship that way. And he's never expected me to be that 24-7 over the top, always involved in every single thing stepmom. Mm-hmm. I give exactly what I can. And whenever I'm empty, I just go somewhere else and I fill myself back up again. And then I go at it again. And he's been very, very good about giving me grace about that. And I think that's real helpful in our um, parenting and in our marriage. Yes. And I'm so glad that you realized that and were able to talk to him about that. Yeah. Because I probably didn't realize that about myself until when we were struggling in the blend because I was always so exhausted, like mentally. Right. And I didn't realize how much of an empath I am. Yeah. And I have to be really careful because I can be in the best mood Mm -hmm. and be around somebody that's not in a good mood and it just, it attacks me. Yep. Yep. We have to be so cognizant of our triggers. I will start feeling like I'm going to get a little clammy and sweaty and nervous. And when I start feeling that before I let it go to the next step, which is now I'm mad that I'm here and having to listen to this person or be around this person or being resentful, I go ahead and just take a break. Before I realized kind of what my triggers would make me feel like, I would stay in it for too long. Mm -hmm. And then I would let that overpower me. And I was like, no, I start feeling it. I immediately step out of the conversation, you know, and it's not as easy as it sounds, but I call it practice makes progress thing. You have to practice getting out of situations in a timely manner, what's good for you emotionally. You have to practice pausing, you know, on your response. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to be perfect at it. But I bet I have not yelled at my child in at least a year. And I want to probably a dozen times a day, (laughs) you know, so it's about like regulating our emotions and knowing when is the time to step in and when is the time to step out and come back when you're in a better headspace. It's just, you know, again, it goes back to, we have to think what is best for the child, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know when I start getting that overwhelmed feeling, I start getting irritated mm-hmm. by the slightest things. Right. And I call it like the little man inside going, let me out. And yeah, <laughs> once I feel that happening, I'm like, I'm going to go chill for a few. Or I just need to yep. walk off for a minute, even if it's just two minutes, just to regroup yeah. and remind myself to pause and remind myself calm down. It's okay. We've only got another hour of dealing with this, these people. <laughs> Just take a breath and keep going. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And if, if you remember back before you started being able to sort of regulate that and know when it was coming and take care of yourself, you were only punishing yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you were feeling all these things and being resentful and just having so much anger. And eventually, like it probably would hurt other people's feelings too. But 
you are not taking control of the situation and protecting your peace, you know? And whenever I realized that I could be the one, I'm like, I don't have to let what this person just said make me angry. Right. Those are words, you know, I can choose to, yeah. So I don't anymore. I'm like, if I give that reaction, you know, they sort of win and I'm really competitive. It sounds silly, but it's like certain types of people. And I have this in um, the opposite side of my co-parenting with my son's dad the younger one, um, they feel like, you know, conflict is good and here it comes and we're going to get into this and I'm the opposite. And, you know, like if a person like that feels like they win when when you react, either being bad or angry, you know, crying, whatever, when you remain intact, when you take control of your emotions, you take out the ability, basically it takes two to tango, you take out the ability for there to be conflict, you know, just by I'm not going to have a response. Whenever I decide to respond, I'm going to say I bowed out of that conversation because it was outside of my boundaries. And I wanted to let you know that this and this and this is how I feel. There can't be conflict with just one person. I don't imagine that I'd ever be in a room screaming at myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's so true. Um, And it's so frustrating too, because, well, I know when I was younger, let's say 16-ish to probably (laughs) 30-ish, I felt like I couldn't control my emotions. And when I say that, it it was, you made me mad. No, I allowed you to make me mad. That's right. I think it was somebody like Eleanor Roosevelt or somebody that said something about or along the lines of, you know, they can't take your peace without your permission. Right. You can remove yourself. If they have no audience and you're not feeding into the drama, then you remain peaceful and you're not always going to get it. Mm-hmm. But if I get it nine out of 10 times, I'm happy with that. And I continue to pray for it every single day. I always pray in a state of gratitude because like it says in the Bible, you know, to be grateful as if something already happened. Mm-hmm. So I pray, thank you so much, God, for the peace between all of our families and our relationships. And so it comes and it comes in waves, you know, and sometimes there's going to be a day that's not as good as another. But I still pray. Thank you, God, for that day, and thank you for continuing to bless, you know, because I believe 100% that where I am compared to where I was with my son's father and with my husband's ex, it's fully because I've prayed, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've been grateful for the good days, you know. Yes, and my ex, you know, we don't have a good relationship at all, and in the beginning, I was consumed with responding to emails and invalidating what he had said. And it's draining. It is. And when I was able to reply with, okay, and that's it, it was amazing. It's freeing and people don't know. Yeah. And like you said, it's they can't argue with themselves. Well, they can. They probably do, but (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't giving him that power over me anymore. Right. And I'll tell you what I've found, and maybe this will help some of your listeners, is that a lot of times, because a text or an email can't relay true emotion or tone, Mm -hmm. I have started doing an app called Marco Polo, where you leave a video voicemail where they can see your body language and hear your voice, tone, emotion, everything that's in the message. So where used to, like I would say, just real quick, an FYI, he missed his shower last night. And that doesn't sound too terrible, but if a person on the other end is waiting for an argument, it could be really terrible. Mm -hmm. So you take a video voicemail and you give the story more like this. You go, hey, I'm just so sorry, but he did miss a shower last night. We got in from football at 945. 
who's going to need to shower over there, you know, and you sound like an actual human being with actual feelings of regret and ahead of time, just letting you know proactively and they see your tone, they, they really have a hard time coming back very cross toward that. You know, you kind of set up the scenario where they would look like the bad guy if they attacked you at that point, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, this works a little better for us. And so that's what I've started to do. Yeah, my ex, if I would have told him things like that about he would need a shower at your house, the response would be, do not contact me unless it's a medical emergency. I'm not playing happy family with you. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones I just ignore. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's the thing. I, I think, you know, you build and establish your boundaries. You stick with them. And it doesn't matter if they stick with them or not. Right. Because you don't have to engage. We have to be emotionally in control. And I'll tell you one thing, you know, just like with, I know this is going to be a funny analogy, but just like with being a dessert tray, your mind goes to all these places where you remember how rewarding tasting sugar is. So you want it. Even if you're full, you go, oh yeah, I definitely I'll have the cheesecake. Uh-huh. When we do things, right, as adults that we show ourselves that we're proud of ourselves, like a little pat on the back, Carrie, you did that today. You practiced the pause. You didn't respond. You didn't engage. You held your boundary. That was great. Good for you. You tell your brain and you get yourself set up for remembering that reward the next time that situation comes up. So it's like the cheesecake in front of you. You're like, I'm going to feel great if I do that again. And Mm -hmm. it truly works. I tell myself all the time, girl, look at you. Go. You didn't even get, like, I don't even get surprised anymore in all honesty. But I don't get even affected if if you say like um mad sad i'm so indifferent they say the opposite of love is hate but it's not the opposite of love is complete indifference yes you know there are people in this world that they could tell me that they think i'm a murderous treacherous terrible villain and and i would say okay and that's about all they'd get from me and i wouldn't be faking it because it would literally have no impact on me whatsoever I love watching like Dateline and all these murder shows. And this lady had killed her husband. And Uh the John Quinones guy or whatever, I can't even say his name, said most people would feel guilty about killing the father of their child. Her response was, okay. And I busted out laughing. (laughs) That's a little far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's true. So I told David, my new response to crap is going to be, okay. (laughs) <laughs> yes, 100%. So, the, you know, the song, um, It Is Well With My Soul? Yes. I have a saying that I say, which is, it is oh well with my soul. Oh, I like that. <laughs> right? It's oh well. I'll tell you something else that your listeners might appreciate. And that is, like, I talk to a counselor a lot about some of the things that go on with my youngest son, because I want to be able to help him. Because Divorce is a bad situation, Mm -hmm. but it's happened and it's happened. It can be two good people. It can be two good parents. It can be two good spouses. But for these two people, it's not a fit. Right. So you have to make the best of a bad situation. So I have a counselor and this counselor told me, she said, so what you have to do is never talk poorly about the other parent, even if you don't agree with what they did. Mm -hmm. But when your child comes to you and they say, this happened at my dad's house and it made me feel like. For instance, like one time he said he makes me feel like I'm his pet. And, you know, that's very, very triggering for me. I want to pick up the phone and say, hey, I see what's going on here and we need to work on it. But I can't. Mm -mm. I won't be able to protect my peace. The counselor said to say to him when he has problems. So what makes you feel that way? Let him talk it out. 
and then just simply say, I understand. Mm -hmm. So that he doesn't feel like he's reading the room wrong or he's crazy or something's the matter with him. And then she said, what I do anyway, which is point out some good things about that parent. You're just kind of train, uh, changing the train of the conversation and the way it was going. You validated them. You said, you understand. You let them get it off their shoulders. And then you said, but guess what? You know what you do have over there? You have a very involved parent. You have a parent that spends all their time, their free time that they have with you, working on you with sports or whatever. And so that's my game plan. And I hope that the same thing will happen over there because I'm sure he doesn't go over there and say, my mom is perfect. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I would love it. Yeah. But it's so hard when you feel like they are hurting your child to step back and not say, yeah, your dad's a piece of crap or he shouldn't have said that to you. Right. But it's so important we don't because we have to remember that child is 50% you and 50% them. So if you call the ex a piece of crap, you're saying, hey, 50% of you is a piece of crap. Yeah. Because how many kids grow up wanting to be like their other parent, you know, or it's very hard for for me in certain situations, but I think about it like what my biggest role model in all of this was my stepmom. She sort of inherited us when we were three or four and she never spoke illy of my mother when anybody else would. She would just kind of bow her head and I asked her one time later in life, she was praying for her. She said, if someone's being talked about, they need prayer. And that's my motto to this day. And uh, basically, you know, she did what was best for the kids no matter what. Mm -hmm. She didn't get her words in ever. To this day, my mother is resting in her grave and my stepmom is, I mean, like a saint, just never will, never has just ever made me feel like my mother did anything wrong. And I know she did. You know, I ended up being raised by a totally narcissistic mother and it taught me a lot. But to have somebody like my stepmom in my life to show me how it should be done Mm-hmm. is the only reason that I am who I am today. You have to have that one person. And if it's only one person, hopefully, you know, both parents are good and they're feeding into their children and teaching them ways to show their emotions and regulate themselves. But if not, at least they could have one. Yes. So when I was growing up, I had one. Thankfully. For the sake of the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Because the ultimate goal is to have our kids having a relationship with both parents that is as conflict-free as possible. Mm-hmm. So if we're at a basketball game, Heather, Thomas, and I can sit together all day long. But say it's me and my ex-husband and his current wife, which I have no problems with, but we're not close. Mm-hmm. We're friendly, and, and that's about it, and that's fine. But Carter doesn't have to choose which side of the gymnasium to sit on when it comes to Thomas and Heather and myself. Yeah, He doesn't have to have any toward like feelings about not wanting some, somebody to feel bad or whatever, where... If it's the other situation, he's like, I, I want to sit over here, but I also want to sit over there. And he feels bad. And he even said the other day, his coach told him to write a thank you note to his parents. And he only gave him one card. And he said, I don't want to pick my favorite. And I said, well, just write one to your dad and just tell me in person. And that way you can just use it for him. You don't have to have two. And he said, okay. But you know, like they don't want to be in a situation where they have to go one is bad and one is good. We can all be good in their eyes, you know? Right. We don't need to put them on that place. You know, it's sad when people do. I remember when my ex made a comment about, you know, if Jackson's ever playing at a basketball game, don't think we're going to be sitting beside each other or something like that. And it it hurt my heart for my son. Yeah. And I said, you know what? When that game's over, I would tell him to go to you. 
Yeah. Because I don't want him to have to make that choice. I don't want him to have to make that decision. Exactly. And it's sad. You're exactly right. 100%. And I'm not going to lie. I struggle with trying to say positive things about his dad. But I'll say things like, well, you know, your dad takes you hunting. I would never do that. And David would never do that. So that's something that you get to experience through your dad that you wouldn't otherwise. That's exactly right. It's very difficult sometimes, but there is good in everybody. I mean, it's hard to say that with the world the way it is, but everybody is somebody's son or daughter. And I always think about that whenever I see really horrible situations on the news, that whoever did this terrible thing, their mother still loved them the way she did when they were an infant in her arms. Yes. And so I try and approach every person in life like that with that much empathy that somebody out there, and number one, Number one, God loves every single one of us like that. Mm -hmm. But also there's a parent somewhere that's aching over that person, you know, and I just try and look at everybody like that is someone's baby. Mm -hmm. And I never had that until I had my own babies. But I will say this, I just heard it on a podcast recently that, you know, if the kids do have healthy role models and if they only have one, great, but if they have more, perfect. The more people who love my children, the happier I am. So I'm never going to be oh, I wish you didn't like your stepmom. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that she's so good to him. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But if they only have one healthy role model, they won't just survive life. They will thrive in life, let alone if they have more. Right. So let's just say there's, you know, like a contention and a conflict between me and his dad's wife, which there's not. But if there were, I don't have to have a relationship with her. I don't have to. No. But if I'm amicable, And I can have my peace and he can see me and see how I regulate my emotion and my response, then he's going to benefit from it, at least at one house. And a counselor told me recently, too, that children are learning right at the age quarters at now, between about the ages of seven and 10, how to regulate their emotions. So if they see me react, even like road rage is contagious, Yes. right? So if they see me lose my mind over something, then that's what they're going to think is supposed to be happening. And that's the same with letting them watch TV shows that are too mature for them. Mm -hmm. Like the other day, he threw his helmet at a football game, and I was very disappointed because I have never let him see any part of an emotional response like that kind of an outburst. So I know that he's either seeing it somewhere else or on TV or on movies, video games, whatever, because these are the years we have to be real careful of how we act driving. If I have road rage, the next thing you know, he's in the back seat saying, Get out of the way, Papa. You know, move your car, or whatever. I don't, but, but you know, like that happens in life. He, he gets that from your sister. I'm kidding. That's right. Anything that he has, and I want you to make sure this airs. Anything that he has that is wrong came from Sherry. No, I'm kidding. but you know, she did tell me that these are the years they're forming how to deal with their emotions, and I was big into emotional intelligence. I still am, but I learned a ton about it. And you can have a a doctorate and be really, really bad at emotional intelligence and not able to interact socially well and not be placeable, like in the workplace, Mm -hmm. not be marriable, if that's a word, but you can be the most successful and thriving human being with very little education, but a really high level of emotional intelligence, just being able to interact with people regulate your feelings, do things in a better way that everybody benefits. If it means staying out of the situation, pausing and responding to it later, whatever that looks like, you can just really thrive as an adult, a parent, a spouse, an employee 
it's just so important. And so this is the year she said, these are the years she said, where that is really the big thing that's forming. So earlier, up until about age seven or eight, they were forming their moral compass. Like, what do they think is okay and not okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they know now, he knows at this point, don't steal, you know, don't bully, whatever. Mm -hmm. So right now he's learning, if somebody steals from me, I need to react like this. And he's learning that from somebody. Is it me? Is it his dad? Is it a TV show? So these are really formative years. When you're talking about that, I'm thinking about Jackson. He's 16 now. And he gets so frustrated with stuff. And I mean, quickly. And like if he's working on a four-wheeler yeah. or something, and I'm out there trying to help him, if he gets frustrated, I start getting mad because that impact yeah. things <laughs> picks up. And then I want to holler at him for being frustrated. So I just walk away. I say, I'm not going to sit here and listen to you act like that. And I walk away. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, where did he get that from? Because right. between ages 7 to 10, I'm trying to think back, okay, that was so many years ago. Things were better here in the blend. I don't really react that way to things. If I get frustrated, I'll take a break. Yeah. But I don't sit there and start throwing stuff and right. cussing and raising cane. Not that Jackson cusses, but he raises cane. Right. Yeah. He got that. And I'm not trying to bash his dad when I say this. But it's reality. He got that from his dad. Yeah. The little bit of time that he spends with his dad, he picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I remember trying to do stuff with his dad, and he would get aggravated, and it was frustrating for everybody. And yeah, I'm like, oh, crap, how did he pick that up in such a short time frame? Right. Well, it's redundant and repetitive. Yes. And so I've got to try to figure out a way to help him with that because uh, David was helping him change the alternator on his truck the other day. And Jackson got really frustrated and said, I'm done. And David usually gets frustrated, but thank God, David said, hang on, let's try it this way. And at that point, I'm walking off because I know I will get mad for Jackson going, oh my God, ain't nothing made right. Everything's made in China. And I mean, he just goes on this rant (laughs) and it drives me insane. Yeah. And so I'm thankful that David was there to kind of bring him back around. Yeah. But he needs to learn to do that himself because we're not always there to do that. You're right. I will tell you this just from what you just said, and goodness knows he could really do with some cognitive behavioral therapy where he learns some coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. But when he said, I'm done, if you would talk to him, or I know it's hard for them to listen to parents at that age, have a counselor talk to him about emotional intelligence. He's absolutely positively right to say, I'm done and want to walk away when he's at his limit, as are we. Mm -hmm. But there are better ways to do it. Your tone is more important than your message. So if he would say, look, David, I've had about enough right now. I'm super frustrated. I want to pick this up in a little while. I'm just going to go somewhere and chill out. Mm-hmm. That would been a whole different conversation, but the message is the same. Do you know what I mean? Like the words are the same. Right. What he's trying to convey is the same, but it sounds so much nicer and it is a nicer delivery. You know, mm-hmm. the emotional intelligence part of that for him being able to do that, once he did it a few times, he would be really proud of himself, like I was saying earlier. And it would just start to really snowball and be more and more of that. And you said, you know, like he was really frustrating you. Don't let him be Mm -hmm. indifferent to his outburst. You know what I mean? Because you suffered for that. Mm -hmm. The thing is, that's a hard age. You even said when you were 16, and I know when I was 16, that is a very hard age because our hormones are going haywire. Mm -hmm. But if we start telling them now, just each time and not in the heat of the moment, I always find it is very, very, very bad form to, in the heat of the moment, try and teach a life lesson. I know, but we still try. (laughs) 
That's right. That's right. But the average person has to hear seven t- something seven times for it to really, you know, sink in and be real. Mm-hmm. So seven times that he has an outburst. Wait until later when things are calm and just say, you know, it's okay to say I'm done. It's really okay. But maybe say it in a different way. Just say, hey, I'm going to take a few minutes and come back and look at this whenever I'm more calm. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact thing. But the next time he has an outburst, whatever it is, same thing. You know, and then you're teaching him a coping skill that will make him a better husband, a better father, a better friend, mm-hmm. you know, and do it the next seven or eight times. And every time he does it and you see it, you give him the pat on the back, too. So you really should be really proud of yourself for that. I'm very impressed. And it's funny because teenagers don't even like for us to compliment them, but yeah. they hear it. Yes. You know, even when they get annoyed by it, they heard it and you planted that seed mm-hmm. and it'll change them. And you're right about planting that seed. Because I know the other day, Jackson came to me and he said, you'd be proud of me. And I said, what'd you do? Because, you know, I always get scared when he says that. (laughs) And he said, I started to get frustrated. I walked off, took a deep breath, told myself, get this done, quit getting mad about it, and just do it. He said, and I did it. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know what? Is any time that you can bring that up in conversation, the more and more you can bring that up? how much faster he'll grow in his emotional intelligence. Yes. Because for him to notice it on his own is like I said, patting himself on the back and then at his age coming to you and having the like the strength to be able to overcome his pride and admit, I know I was about to lose it mm-hmm. and I didn't and I'm going to tell my mom. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, for that age, that's huge. So anytime you can bring that up. Yes. One day I was out there he was doing something, and I can't remember, but he was really not listening and aggravating me. And he looked at me, and he said, stop. And I'm thinking, who are you to tell me to stop? And then I realized <laughs> I was getting out of control. <laughs> I was giving in to that angry man inside. Right. I wasn't walking away and pausing quick enough. And I looked at him, and I said, all right. And I just turned around and walked inside. They, they need to see us be wrong. Right. Right. A lot of times... And I don't know if you've noticed this. How old was Carter when you and your ex split? He was only about two. Okay. See, Jackson and I's dad were not together after he was born. And it's almost like he parents me sometimes. Right. A friend of mine, she went through kind of the same thing. And her son does the same stuff. And she's like, you are not the parent. And I started laughing. I said, I say that all the time. But a lot of times, they are right. Yeah. And validation is what is the key for them. The angriest children in the world, I heard it on Dr. Phil one time, are the children who don't feel validated. So you don't have to, in that moment, say you're right, but to walk away. And and also, you can maybe talk to him about his delivery once again. What he was saying is right. You probably were losing control and he needed to say, Mom, let's just pick up this conversation in a little while when you calm down or whenever we're both more calm. Because I find adding myself to the equation sounds less attacking, right? Mm -hmm. So. Mom, when we both are calmed down, let's talk about this. So he could have said the same thing, just in a different way, and it had been a different scenario and outcome. But you walked away, so you realized, you know, he's right. Later on, when things are calm, we do have to let these children be right. Even when it means admitting we're wrong, that is how they learn to regulate and to respond to a really high-conflict situation. I'll give you a good example. When Carter was about four, I was picking on him in the garage and it wasn't anything with malice. I was just picking with him. And I said, I'm sorry. And then I did it again. And it was just silliness. But he said, well, sorry doesn't mean anything if you keep doing it. Oh. And I said, well, look at him giving me life lessons. I know. You know? So 
Yeah. If you say you're sorry, Jackson, um, I had a, you know, reaction that I'm not proud of myself for, and I'm trying to learn, and I call it practice makes progress. I'm going to try and do better, pause, walk away, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That gives him some validation. Like, I know that that wasn't right, what was happening, and I don't want to do that either. But I also need to be real careful with my delivery because she is my parent. I'm not the parent. And always, like, have those conversations when it's not in a high-conflict, you know, situation and it comes out better. But they need to hear us be human. Otherwise, they try and get to this level where they're perfect for us. They never reach it. They end up self-loathing. And it's a terrible situation for them. They need to understand we make mistakes just as well as they do, probably more often and sometimes more on purpose than they do. Because a lot of times their mistakes are not something they intentionally set out to do. Mm-hmm. And it's important for them to learn to apologize and realize they're wrong, too. And by us doing it, we're setting that example. Yeah. You know, like for a kid that's never been told, I love you from their dad, for them to say it is super hard. Mm -hmm. For a kid that's never been told, I'm sorry, from their parents, it's hard for them. It gets to be these awkward words. They need to be words that just come very readily to mm-hmm. our tongue, you know, that, that we're sorry, that we understood that we did behave in a way that we are not proud of and that we're going to work on it so that they don't feel like they're broken when they have those moments. They don't feel like, well, something's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. We all have those moments and we can all apologize and we can all come back together and really express our emotions when it's not at the very top in the heated moment. And that's when you get heard. When you yell, no one hears you. You get another octave. You get louder, whatever. Mm -hmm. They don't hear your words. They hear your screaming, you know. So for him, and that moment, he was right. He wanted it to be over. But you also don't want to be parented by your kids. So later (laughs) on, you know, just outline it like that. Because I'm two steps away from pushing you through the garage wall. And I don't want to. Right. (laughs) My emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. practicing the pause and it's to save your life at this moment. <laughs> exactly. And the same thing with stepkids. I've had to apologize to my stepkids yeah. and say, 100%. sorry, I reacted that way. I've had a bad day. I've been busy. Come in trying to fix dinner. And you come to me and say, what's for dinner? When you see that I'm cooking spaghetti. Right. It's one of those things that that was a trigger for me. Yeah. And so I would tell them, please don't come to me and ask me what's for supper. Like, I'm not your short order cook. (laughs) And we decided that, you know what, if you would list what's for dinner and they ask you, you can just point to the board and not say a word. (laughs) Yeah. Or they don't have to ask you, but it's great because even in the business world, you hear it all the time. Don't come to me with a problem without a solution, right? Yes. So there's a thing that goes on here. I work for my husband um, just a little part-time. And there's a thing that goes on here that when he changes a password, sometimes he forgets to tell me. And so when I came to him with that problem, he wanted a solution. So he's got a book where he writes down the new password and I can go look in the book. (laughs) But basically, he doesn't have time, you know, to reach out to me every time. You know how it's like change your password 16 times in a a day sometimes. Mm -hmm. But so if your kids come to you or you come to them with something that's a problem, go ahead and have what your idea might be, but also be open-minded, you know, to say, this is what I was thinking might help this situation with the fact that I get frustrated by this, this, or this. Um, What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. And so it's not an attacking conversation. It's a Let's, you know, kind of consult with one another and see what we can do so that we don't have resentment in the smallest things. I shouldn't be angry that the password didn't work 
And then whenever I changed it, it said, don't use your old password. <laughs> I don't mean to want to throw my computer out the window, but mm-hmm. that's what happens. Yes. <laughs> so whenever you come to your kids or your spouse even, you know, or your boss or whatever with something that's not working, instead of letting it build and build and have resentment, hostility, just go, what could be a good scenario for everybody? And you're like, I'm going to put a list up. And then there you go. That problem is solved and you're moving on mm-hmm. um, with our kids. Carter and Caroline, they're close in age, so they have a great time together until they don't, you know? Yeah, I was getting ready to ask you what their relationship was like. (laughs) It's good for about a day and a half, and then they're done. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I found was a huge problem was who gets to pick what, you know, who gets to pick what food, who gets to pick what movie, who gets to pick where we go. And so what I did is I made what I call a turn list. And if Carter gets to pick, for instance, what's for dinner, then that was his turn. So I put a check. So then the next thing that we have up that uh, that isn't, you know, something everybody's in agreement on, it's Caroline's turn. And so then I put a check on her side and it goes on and on. And so it's not like they can yell and say, you always let them pick. There's literally a turn list on my counter when they're at our house on the weekend together. That is great. Yeah. And you got to be proactive. Yeah. We had a couple that the kids would fight over who was going to sit beside the dad. And it was always a constant fight. Oh. And yeah. it's like, rotate, rotate the table. Yeah. I mean, just go around the table. Every day somebody switches. You, things don't have to be so destructive. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a huge resolution like that. It's something that you could have never thought of. Mm-hmm. Literally a list on the counter, because sometimes we forget who had to turn last. We're all people. Mm-hmm. And so just as something as simple as y'all are rotating around the table, we have a list with check marks on it on the counter, so it's in black and white. There's no question. If you didn't check off your turn, that's on you. But the the other kid knows, you know, and, and here it is. There's a list. So the, the solution doesn't have to be something that's like a sales spreadsheet or a therapist or whatever. The solution could be just as simple as dad's going to sit next to you tomorrow night. Dad's going to make your turn next or whatever, because these kids do love most of them to play with other children, especially if it doesn't mean having to ask and go to another house or whatever, if they can enjoy each other's company. But when they don't get along, we have to just go, okay, what's the solution? And let's do that before we have 18 of these arguments over whose turn it is this weekend, because that means Carrie's probably going somewhere to take a nap, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You're not going to see me much. No. And it's good because like, I'm honest with the kids, you know, and sometimes I'll apologize I don't need to, but I want them to understand it's nothing that they've done. But I'm honest with them and just say, I just need a little bit of me time. I'm going to go take some me time. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes if I fall asleep and I'm asleep for three hours, I'll apologize, you know, but I don't have to, you know, I'm an adult and I can take a nap, but I don't want them to think that I've had it up to here with you and you're a lot. I don't want them to feel that. Mm -hmm. This is a me issue. If I need to go take a nap or watch something mindless or listen to a podcast or whatever, it's not because they aren't okay. It's because I know my my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I know my limits. Right. And we have to be careful when we have the step kid and the bio kid and they are fighting not to say, just stay away from each other. Right. Because they'll never learn how to deal with each other. And then it'll get to the point where if Carter's always getting in trouble, he's not going to want to play with her because he's thinking, I'm going to get in trouble if I play with her. Exactly. You don't learn conflict resolution by never being in conflict. Right. And you're preventing that bond. And it's normal for kids to fight. Yeah. If it's your bio kids fighting, oh, that's normal. But if it's the step kid and the bio kid 
it's this big ordeal. Right. No, let them still figure out how to do those things. Even if you're sitting there and you want to step in, let them figure it out. Unless, of course, they're hurting each other physically. Right. That's the only place where I would draw the line is if it is physical danger. And then also where, like, if I don't yell, but if someone, either one of them is about to hurt themselves, like fall from something, mm-hmm. that's the only time that I'll parent the stepkids. And I've told Thomas that. Like, otherwise, like, if they're just being super goofy and messing up things in the house or whatever, I'm not doing it. Now, if they're playing on the stove and the gas is on and whatever, and it looks like something might be about to happen or whatever, I'll say, hey, 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 you know, and get involved. But otherwise, like, short of about to burn my house down or somebody's going to be hurt, I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to let y'all do that because y'all are not just, you know, I'm not your parent. You know, I'm your, your dad's wife or whatever. Right. Well, now... Your house, the pictures that you put on Facebook, are immaculate. <laughs> Let's just say... I only take the pictures of the part that are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, how do you handle it when the stepkid comes in and messes up stuff? Because we see it all the time. I can't nacho that. I'm not going to have my house looking like a pigsty, and that kid's going to clean up. Yeah. Which, really, you can nacho it, but you're choosing not to. Right. So how do you handle that? I don't. I'd not show it. So one thing is Thomas is real good about making sure that the girls clean up the space that we all share. Mm-hmm. But I do not open the room door to the toy room, to either of their bedrooms. I don't look in their backpacks or whatever. Like I don't touch anything as long as, and he's very good about it. As long as the space that, that we all share is, and it doesn't have to be immaculate. Like I said, I only take pictures of it when it is. <laughs> He's really good, you know, like being respectful of each other's space. If their rooms, and they might very well have food, animals, God only knows what's in there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't open the door. And if it comes down to when we go to sell that home, that it's not as valuable because somebody's child did that, then that's still not going to be my issue. You know, like I didn't allow it, but I didn't talk about it and, and, and parent where I shouldn't have. Right. It's not your hill to die on. It's really not. And I say that. It's funny you say that. I'm not going to die on the hill of housework or the parenting thing because I have found an almost perfect man. And if these little boogers think for two seconds (laughs) that they're going to mess it up for me, no, sorry, not today. So I won't die on a hill that has anything to do with children or cleaning or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, now, what if you start to get rats in your house? God, that's nasty. I would make him pay for an exterminator if it was his kids making them. <laughs> no, the way I see it is we were talking about is if you have a problem, there's a solution and it doesn't have to be, well, the kid deserves to be punished. If, if there's a rat, that's nature. Mm-hmm. Let's get a pest control and get it in here and then tell the kids, hey, this costs a ton of money. If we think it's because one of your rooms was quite literally in a pigsty um, situation or whatever, then the next time we have to do this, we you know may take it, and I would have him have that conversation if it was his children. We may take it out of your bank account. Say it's eight hundred dollars. Like we don't want to pay that again. So just be more aware, um, and then stick to it. Because one of the things my dad is a really good role model in my life too. My dad always says is that consistency is key. So if you break every promise that you make of certain punishment or whatever, they'll never believe it. So if you say we had to get pest control in here. If you continue to keep your room like that and we have to do it again, we're going to know that it was on your room that caused this issue and we're going to have you pay for it. And then you don't, they'll never believe you the next time and the next time, you know, Mm -hmm. but I won't fight with my husband about it. I can promise you that. Yep. 
get him to pay a hotel room for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess growing up, my mama put the fear of God in me because she did prove that she would tear your tail up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Consistency. And I know your mama was the same way. Yes. Key. Consistency is key. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's hard because we'll say something in the heat of the moment where we're mad and then they end up doing what we said not to do. And then it's, well, sure, you can go to little Johnny's birthday party, even though I said you couldn't. <laughs> right. It's hard just today, just today, getting out of the car. Carter was not listening to me about putting his library books in his book bag. And so when we got to the school, it was almost time for the tardy bell. It was picture day. And that's a whole nother episode if you ever need it. Um, <laughs> he was trying to take the time in the car then to put them in his book bag. And I said, no, just carry them separately. And he just kept doing it. And I said, Carter, I need you to carry the books separately and you can put them in your book bag once you get to class. And he kept doing it. And I said, remember what I said happens if I have to tell you something more than once when I know that you can clearly hear me? He's like, I lose my electronics. And I said, that's right. He goes, well, I'm with my dad tonight. And I said, I'll let him know. So I sent his dad a Marco. And I just, hey, I wanted to let you know if it's okay with you because I can't control his home. Yes. Um, then please don't let have uh, Carter have electronics tonight because he didn't listen. And I had to say it several times. If you don't want to do that tonight, that's fine. But remind me because on Friday, he won't have electronics when he's back at my house. And I will forget. And I don't want to forget because I want Carter to be like, all right, she said it one time. That means I need to do it or I don't get to touch, you know, the PlayStation, Xbox, iPad, whatever it is. And those things like, those seem like the things that are the most valuable to him at this time, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just have to stick with it or else like, you know, you're not going to listen. Yeah. And it's important, even if the punishment is delayed. Yeah. Like you said, you told your ex, even if you don't do it, that's fine. But let me know if you don't do it, because when he gets back, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Because listen, these kids will rely on my old lady memory. Do you know what I mean? They'll be like, (laughs) catch me Friday. (laughs) Uh She'll forget in five minutes. (laughs) Yes. And so I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, you have to, even if it's delayed, you have to stick to your word if you want it to be, you know, if it's going to be learned, like I said, with that thing about um, hearing something seven times, you know, I think with kids, it's more like 70, but that's just an opinion mm-hmm. after yeah. doing this a couple of times. <laughs> so did your ex reply to you or respond to you? No, and he normally won't, and that's fine. But um, if he doesn't do um, no electronics tonight, he will let me know that he didn't. But normally he will and I will kind of take respect for what just happened at that house. Or, or this house and do it. But not having a response to me is fine because I don't really, the, the less we can, you know, communicate mm-hmm. sometimes the better. Mm-hmm. And so um, I appreciate the fact that he will say, hey, your mom said no electronics tonight. That's wonderful, you know, for me. And we don't always have to get along and be best friends, but to respect one another's authority and decisions that were made is, is really helpful. So I have to give him kudos for that because that'll probably happen tonight at his house. And that's awesome yeah. because I'm telling you with my ex, it would be, your mama said you couldn't have electronics tonight, but I'm going to let you have them, <laughs> but don't tell her. <laughs> and to me, it, right, it goes back to the fact that every decision, whether it's hard or easy, you know, I listened to a podcast where a lady said something about having to give up a child for adoption because she knew that the situation she was in would never be good for the child. And she hurt for that child to this day. But if it's a hard decision or an easy decision decision to make, whatever it is, when you're making that decision, the kid's happiness and well-being 
has got to be what comes first. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard decision. God bless. Can you imagine having to give up your child? But knowing that she was in a situation that she would never be able to give that child a good life, my goodness, you know, it's a hard decision, but you have to do whatever it is. And so it's not easy for us all the time. And we don't always get along. But whenever you say, hey, this is a rule and the other one can respect it, you don't have to be friends. But that sure does make your life more peaceful and it's easier. You know, I wish everybody could kind of have what Heather and I have. And a lot of my friends and family didn't trust that at first. They were like, she's got something up her sleeve, keep her at arm's length or whatever. But I was like, I don't think that God brought us this far just to bring us this far and let there be some sort of a manipulation going on. Mm -hmm. I believe fully that this is a friendship and we can trust one another and we can co-parent well together. And that's been how it is, you know, and if it's not the same way on the other side, but he's Carter still got healthy relationships and we're doing everything we can to teach him, you know, how to regulate his emotions and how to, what coping skills he can use in certain instances, you know, he's still going to win. So, you know, it's not always going to be perfect or pretty, but like we're practicing for progress, not perfection. I'm sitting here thinking, about Jackson's dad's ex-girlfriends. There were a few that I had talked to after they split up, and I thanked them for being so good to Jackson. Yeah. Because that's all that mattered to me. That's exactly right. And I sit here and think that a lot of them I didn't get to know, and I know why, because they only knew me from his dad's perspective. Right, yeah. They only heard the one side of the story. Which tells me that Thomas did not bash Heather to you. Well, no. And I even in the beginning requested that because you know how I am about gossip. Mm -hmm. I said, um, I want to get to know her on my own terms. You know, don't rob me of that ability. And he was really respectful about that. But a lot of times relationships start out with you telling each other what everybody in your life has ever done wrong instead of, you know what I would really like in this relationship. And so I really thank God for bringing him into my life when we were both mature enough to have a great relationship because we didn't start with my ex did this. What did your ex do? We started with, this is what I would like in a relationship. What would you like in a relationship? And so it's just ended up being such a miracle whenever you think about the fact that you don't find a really healthy, good relationship until you're 40 something. It can sound kind of sad, but whenever you think about what it took to get here and to have a nearly perfect marriage, it's like God did that on purpose. He waited on me mm-hmm. to, to be ready for the man that was right for me. And he waited on, Thomas waited on me as well. He said he's never had a partner before. And I love being able to give him that. You know, we contribute, we both work, we both do everything we can with the kids, with the house, with the businesses. It's just the best partnership. And we waited for it, but God always provides. Mm-hmm. It's just been one of those things. I feel like it's been blessed from the very beginning. And I would not let either of our kids, both of our kids, any of the um, co-parenting stuff ever be the hill that I would die on and fight with him. It just wouldn't happen. I love seeing your Facebook post. You'll say something like, yeah, another sappy post, or if you don't like it, you don't have to follow me or whatever. Right, yeah. You don't have to look at it. Yeah, y'all always have the sweetest posts, and it's it's like seeing that high school love. Yeah. Well, and sometimes people say, you know, the people that post about it are the ones in the bad relationships. And I, I don't take any, it doesn't bother me. But what I do is I use Facebook as sort of a scrapbook because I don't have time to get out and make scrapbooks. Mm-hmm. But so I want to remember all of these feelings and moments. And I had a counselor one time tell me, if you're ever in a place where you are 
struggling in a relationship of any kind, sit down and look at pictures, you know, and, and pull up memories of things that just remind you of where you were and what you felt and all that. And so I use Facebook for that. So it's for me. And when people are like, oh yeah, those, those people out there bragging about it, they don't really have it. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, everybody's got their own opinion, mm-hmm. but for me, I, I love him and I want to put it out there so that, you know, how Facebook memories give you every year. <laughs> I like that. And so I could be like maybe frustrated with him one day and then wake up to a memory of us on a vacation or me saying, he's my Tommy Ray or I'm Miss Tommy Ray or whatever. And mm-hmm. I immediately go to that space. You know, our brain has this way of just taking us right back to smells and sounds and all that. And so that's why I do it, you know, and I, it's real, genuine. I love it. Yeah. And thank God you're not posting about crap that you're dealing with because then that's what the memory is going to be. And that's going to trigger That's right. all negativity. Yes. And you ever get embarrassed by yourself when they show you a memory from like nine years ago or something on Facebook? Well, I don't really post stuff on Facebook a lot. Yeah. I, I just realized like, I'm, I'm really glad that people have to understand growth is real mm-hmm. and you can't hold what I used to think, do, or say against me. And if you do, that's, you know, it's on you. I don't, it doesn't faze me, but sometimes I'll see a post come up that'll be about politics and I wouldn't talk about politics <laughs> today to save my life and I'll delete it because I don't want it to be a memory next year, you know? Yes. Um, and I'm just like, gosh, I, I just hadn't grown at that point to where I am now. And it's taken a lot of Jesus, a lot of therapy, a lot of reading and, and learning about emotional intelligence and things like that. But I want to be able to have those memories pop up, like you said, and they're good ones. Mm-hmm. Something that takes you to a good place. That's what I do it for. And I think that's even more important in a blended family because there is a lot of negativity and there is a lot of stress and a lot yeah. of struggles. And we need to remember, yeah, remember that time we all went to the corn maze and we were stuck in there for four hours and you have that picture of (laughs) the kids going in and they're all excited and then the picture two hours later, they look like they're just depleted. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like the corn maze one. (laughs) Yes. So it's, it's very important. Yeah, you have to feed your mind healthy things. Yes, that's like I said, whenever I feel like I'm trying to pour from an empty glass, I excuse myself and recharge because it's what, like when people say, you need to take care of yourself and eat healthy. I think, you know what else you need to do? You need to read healthy. You need to listen to good Mm -hmm. things and healthy things. And you need to fill your cup up with things that you want to come out like naturally. Mm -hmm. So your knee jerk reaction is going to be what you hear the most. So if you watch violent things all the time, it's going to end up being in this place in your subconscious where it comes up more readily, you know, like neuropathways to true feelings and thoughts and things. And that's why they don't like a lot of kids, especially um, playing video games that have a lot of violence in them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm like, what can I feed myself? And so every day I do my prayer journal and I do my positive thinking. And there's another one I do. What is it? Oh, goodness. I can't remember the name of it. One of my bosses gave it to me and I've read it about 18 times, but it's a paid day of just some little things. It's little tidbits of good, you know, solid, positive stories and encouraging thoughts. And so whenever somebody comes to me and they're like, what do you think about that? Da, 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 the last thing I saw isn't Braveheart, like 1800 people being, you know, slaughtered or whatever. It's something beautiful and something that I can give freely and, and easily. It readily comes to the top of my mind as good advice, mm-hmm. like what I'm genuinely feeling all the time. And, you know, I have my days where I'm not positive all day, but I have what I call, you know, like my tribe Mm -hmm. and I have my prayer journal and I have 
just time with God. And I also use an app on a Bible app on my phone that you can type in a subject, you know, like depression. Yeah. And it'll just list out one after the other, all the verses about joy and choosing joy. And God is here to give you joy and a happy life. And I know how to turn myself around. And I'm very, and you have to be very intentional about it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my life motto is, you know, wake up and fill your cup so that you can then give to others, you know. And it's so important, too, for our kids and our stepkids to see us feeding ourselves positives. Yes. And I know you've probably had a friend that just is so negative. Every time you talk to them, they're complaining about something. There's nothing ever going right in their life. Yeah. I had a friend like that. I love her dearly. I still love her dearly, but I can't talk to her. Right. You have to know your boundaries and what can, especially as an empath, what can kind of get into your spirit and your mood in that day. And, and you know, pray for them at a distance because mm-hmm. you don't have to be involved to be able to still pray for somebody, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people out there that I pray for that I don't really interact with. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that pray for me and don't interact with me because I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. But hey, pray for me, you know? And, and like my stepmom always told me, if you hear somebody being talked about, just pause. Don't let it come into your spirit. Just pray for that person because if they're being talked about in a negative way, they need prayer more than they need your ear and the gossip, you know. And what I'll do, it used to be a hard conversation for me to have, but it's not any longer because the more you do have hard conversations, the more easily you can have them. Um, is whenever I start befriending someone, I just tell them, you know, I'm not going to be the person that wants to hear anybody else's kind of story. Like if it's not your story to tell, Mm -hmm. just maybe don't tell it to me because I don't want to be in any way, shape or form related to something that could come back to that person and hurt them. And if you're ever talking about somebody and you see me get silent or it looks like I'm not listening, I promise you I'm pausing to pray for that person. And that really tees it up for people to not even feel comfortable talking about people to me. Yes. And um, I'll tell you a funny, funny story. The other night I was at dinner with like five girls And somebody started talking about someone in the neighborhood and I looked away and I was watching the cars go by and just praying. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls that I don't know as well called me out on it. Where are you at? And I said, oh, I was praying. And then she goes, okay. And then everybody just kept talking and the subject changed or whatever, but that's literally what I'm going to do. And that's part of protecting my peace. And I think whenever your kids start with that, because Carter's going to go through that, Will went through it. Mm -hmm. You can say, hey, this is really probably the best way to handle it. And I'll tell you what, with regard to praying and your children, I showed Will a prayer journal page the other day and I checked off everything beside it. And there were like 12 things that I said I was grateful for three years ago that hadn't happened, but I prayed as if they had. Mm -hmm. And they were all with regard to him. And every single thing on that page was checked off. I said, look at the power of prayer. Yes, I, I prayed those things. I said, it's wonderful to be able to go back. And a lot of people don't write down their prayers, but if you do, and you go back, it's in black and white, all the things that God has given you that right now, you don't even remember the days you begged and pleaded and prayed for. So when I have a prayer journal and I can check off every single thing on a page like that and I show it to my son, it gives him even more faith and belief in the power of prayer, you know? And Mm -hmm. so Carter, same thing. I show him and we talk about it. You know, he loves doing devotions and things with me. So passing it along, you know, and so does Caroline Bluster. She just got baptized not too long ago and I just like a baby. I know. Oh my gosh. I remember Jackson was I think eight. Yeah, he was eight when he got baptized and you had to fill out the paperwork and it said, tell us why you want to be baptized. And 
His response was, I've been here eight years. Don't you think that's long enough? (laughs) (laughs) That is so cute. Oh, my goodness. They're so precious. They are. And I'm so glad that you have the relationship with Heather that you do. Because like you said, Caroline can see that. And she even knows that it makes her life easier. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're teaching them how to have relationships. We don't want to teach them to have drama and conflict. Mm -hmm. Those friends that you do have, we're not saying we're not there to talk to you if you need us. Right. Yeah. And prayer. I'll pray. And I'm also here to listen if you want to tell me a story with no names, unless you're doing it because, you know, I can sort of read between the lines and figure that out. Because I found asking somebody to talk to me without names sometimes didn't work because they were still inferring enough that I got the gist of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can tell me from a general enough level that I can't, you know, figure out who it is, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for a situation, but don't come to me saying, now I'm not going to talk about anybody and name names, but there's somebody that looks a lot like you that I don't like, bump, 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 you know, (laughs) and it's like, come on now. Are you talking (laughs) about my twin sister? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And first of all, the people that do that, thinking that we don't tell each other everything under the sun. I just want to tell you now, that is never going to happen. Yes. We are going to always go to one another, you know? I mean, we shared a womb for crying out loud. Yeah. To think you're going to keep something from your sister. That's crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Well, Carrie, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. Thank you. I just, I took it a hundred different directions, but I'm notorious for that. So I apologize, but it was really helpful to talk and listen to some of the wisdom that you've, you know, gotten along the way and the shares that you give me from your experiences. So I appreciate it. Oh, and I love the things you said. I'm sure that I'm going to be quoting you a lot, especially the polls. You know, we talk about that a lot in the Nacho Kids Academy. And it's something that once you keep doing it, it gets easier. It really does. And giving yourself that pat on the back and reminding yourself, that's a reward system. And your brain creates neuropathways that are more comfortable and easier to get to. They call it, you know, Like back in the day, people would say it's the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. In your brain, it quite literally is. The thing that you go to the most becomes the easiest. Yes. So I just constantly am saying, like, and I sort of say it as a joke, you go, Carrie. I do that too. I'll be like. Give them any reaction. Yeah. I'll say, go, Lori, with your bad self. Go, Lori. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. With your bad self. (laughs) But it's fun. And, you know, we could talk about the brain all day because I love. Yeah talking about the brain, and it just amazes me. Yep. There's actually this course that I'm thinking about taking that Dr. Daniel Amen has. Uh-huh. I think that I'm probably going to do it after talking to you. I'm like, yeah, I need to take that course. I need to take that course because it's just amazing what our brain can do. Our brain can convince us we're a piece of crap. Our brain can convince us we're a queen. Yep, that's exactly right. When your brain doesn't know the truth from a lie, tell it you're a millionaire every day, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And the same thing about your spouse or your kids, your stepkids. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Every person in your life, mm-hmm. every every person. Yes. Yeah, so I wrote down that name, and I'm probably going to look that course up, too. <laughs> it's awesome. He talks about automatic negative thinking a lot. And actually, he wrote a kid's yeah. book. Oh, wow. I need to look that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yep, I'm going to look that up. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. It was. Well, thank you again, and you take care. Thank you. Bye, Lauren. Bye-bye. So, David, do we want to tell people what happened? Uh, Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. (laughs) We had a lady donate 12 scholarships for the Nacho Kids Academy. 
I didn't even know that. Yes. So you didn't tell me. Her name is Linda Dunham. And she contacted me and said that she wanted to be able to provide 12 people with help through the Nacho Kids Academy through a scholarship like Sylvia Krakauer has done. That's fantastic. It is. It is. I mean, you know, for as much as, you know, you get people out there that are negative and complain and you think people are just, you know, selfish and all that. You got people like her and Sylvia that step up and just, they're like, look, I just want to help people. I understand that this program is making a difference in people's lives. And I want to be part of that. And and this is how they're doing it. It's, it's fantastic. It is, but you do sound like an infomercial. I'm sorry, but I mean, I mean, I just look like today I literally saw a guy jump out of his car because somebody else, I mean, barely cut him off in traffic. It wasn't even that big of a deal. I saw it when it happened. The guy at the stoplight jumps out of his car and tries to get the other person to get out of the truck and confront him. And then when I get up beside the other truck, the guy's like 70 and the other dude was like 25. I'm like, come on, dude, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, what other kind of issues do you have? Does you feel like you have to have a confrontation, a physical confrontation with your grandpa, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the street? Yeah. I mean, I get it that he cut you off or whatever, but that's just ridiculous. You're going to, and, and what if the old man felt threatened enough to pull out a gun and just drop him in the road? Yeah. Or had a heart attack. Yeah. I'm just all kind of stuff. I'm like, chill out, people. Good grief. Well, um. That's when we need to pray for those people. Yeah. But my point is I go from seeing something like that earlier today. And of course, my initial reaction, honestly, my initial reaction was, let me out of that car and I'll just hold <laughs> the guy's tail for him. But, you know, because I feel bad for the old man. But the other thing is, you know, I'm like, what is wrong with people? It's like everybody's so mean right now. It's more than normal. And I think it's a lot to do with just everything that's happening. But I go from that to the generosity of somebody who's giving of their own money to help other people. They don't even know. Right. And and that's what I'm saying. That's why it's like, thank goodness that I'm ending my day with that in mind versus the idiot with the road rage. The idiot needs help, David. Something must be really wrong in his life right now. I'm sure it is, but he's I probably in a blended I family. To him. <laughs> I couldn't get to him to give him <laughs> the uh, uh, the academy uh, URL. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you need a sticker on your car. Yeah, that's, I'll start cutting people off in traffic and point at the sticker. Or when they <laughs> confront you, you can jump out of the car and go, "Let me tell you about Nacho Kids." Yeah, if Are I you just part of a you blended off, family. <laughs> Yeah, cut them off. And like, if I just pissed you off, go to this website. <laughs> <laughs> Email me at david at davidhaters.com. <laughs> yeah. We haven't mentioned davidhaters.com lately. I know. Well, anyway, so what are, you, what are we going to do on this? You got somebody you've already pulled out of the hat or is this something that's coming? It's something that's coming. Oh, sweet. Yes. Nice. 
Very good. So if uh, you know, if you're a listener and you if it falls upon your heart <laughs> that you would like to be one of these as well, then uh, then reach out to Lori. We'll make it happen. I was so happy when she told me that. It's one of those things you can't believe it. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Twelve people, twelve marriages can be saved because of the kindness of Linda Dunham. Yeah, and there have been there have been others that have donated as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, they just prefer to stay anonymous. Yeah, they do. And of course, you know, toot our own horn. We we do match some of these, so it it um, gives even more of them away. So we're we're giving back as well. Yes, we are. All right, David. I think that's it. Good deal. I think you've made me tired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out here next week when we talk about something else that you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> or may not. Uh, anyway, for Lori and myself, remember, life is good when you're nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.